0: are many people here that uh, don't know who I am or what I'm here for. <laughs> um, Mo and I have been here for uh, about two and a half years, uh, came back down from Portland to be um, near our children who live in Peoria area. Anyway, I am an exegete and an exegete is a person who leads the meaning out of a text. And we usually have to dip into the Greek and Hebrew area in order to find out what's going on. So that's where I work. A hundred years ago, almost to this year, a hundred years ago, my grandfather, Ludwig Anderson, together with William Groff and Albert Cutting, began a Christian work in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which became known as the Wauwatosa Bible Chapel. My dad grew up in that environment, but pulled away from its influence in his early adult years. Shortly after my parents were married, my mom was experiencing signs of MS. She needed a warm, dry climate. Three little kids later, we moved to Goodyear, Arizona, My dad was renewed in the Lord and was one of the founders of the Del Monte Baptist Church in Avondale. From from Goodyear, uh, we moved to central Phoenix, uh, next door to a house where there was a Bible club that met half of the time uh, in a year, every six months, um, a gal from uh, Longview, Washington would come down and lead a Bible club uh, right next door. And I had a good friend uh, who lived there and the kids of the neighborhood would gather and we would memorize verses. And if you memorize a certain number of verses, you got some rewards. If you could memorize 200 verses, you were given a Schofield reference Bible a King James Bible, and I thought that was really cool, so I worked at it, and I did earn that Schofield Reference Bible. Not only that, but during that time in the Bible Club, um, I was converted to the Lord Jesus. Prior to that time, I had heard the messages every Sunday about uh, walking down the aisle and trusting Christ and so on, and I was always hesitant to do that, because there, was, there wasn't that, that felt need. And it wasn't until I knew that I was a sinner that I sought out the savior and trusted him and was converted in a backyard Bible club. High school came along and school was very easy for me. I I don't know what it is. I could do all of my work in class, had hardly any homework over the years. And my favorite two activities in high school were band and rifle team. I loved to shoot indoor 22 rifles. Um, We had a ROTC team, in our high school. And there were half a dozen high schools around the valley here in Phoenix that had those that type of team. And the best 15 out of all of them would travel over to California and shoot against the best of California. I made that trip two years in a row. After high school uh, and not knowing how to study, I went to ASU. It was time for university. And so my two best subjects were band and rifle team. The other subjects I tried to handle in class and did not do that well. So my dad figured, well, it's time to grow up. Uh, It's time, why don't you get your service in the army done with, and then you can try this again, which is what I did. It was kind of a defeat for me to have to join the army, uh, but it was my duty to to serve. Uh, So I did, took their tests uh, to see how I would be used in the army, scored quite well. They gave me the book of army schooling and they said, choose one. So I looked for the longest schooling I could find in the book. There were two schools that took a year to complete. I chose one of them. I became a nuclear weapons assemblyman. I worked with nuclear materials, cleaning it, storing it, uh, doing dry runs where you assemble something on a tactical warhead see how fast you can do it and how accurately you are. In the army, uh, I I enjoyed my time, kind of like Dave Hammond. He he said he had a great time in the navy. I had a great time in the army. Got sent to Korea. Uh, nobody else wanted to go, and I figured I'll do it. Loved the people. Wanted to return after I came back, uh, but um, I I just decided to get it. When I got back, I went to the U of A straight off and um, studied there for four years, got a bachelor's degree, um, and uh, decided that I was going to be a Bible translator and work with Wycliffe Bible translation teams. My sister and her husband were already on the field with Wycliffe down in Central America. And I thought that was noble, honorable, serving the Lord and something that I could do. I love linguistics. Um, So I went to Bible College, Arizona Bible College in Phoenix to get my Bible school education. When I arrived, I had my Schofield Bible from the Bible Club and a heart to learn the scriptures and I knew Schofield's notes, every one of them, backwards and forwards. I, was, I had what I thought was a complete Bible education in Schofield. Came to find out that my Schofield Bible was falling apart and I needed a new one. So I replaced my Bible with a Dixon analytical text. It was twice as that had all sorts of stuff in it, maps and charts, and and um, things that are helpful to know. Um, but no notes on the page. You open the page, and there are no notes, like Schofield gave me notes. So I was forced to actually read the text and not read Schofield. It was a new experience, but well worth it. The text turned out to be much more interesting. And then came Greek in Bible college. I took Greek, and with Greek, I could get under the English and see what Greek terms support that English translation. And basically, to test the translation, I learned a lot. I, I learned that if you're going to work with a the, with the text, you don't work in English, you work in Hebrew and Greek. If you're going to do translation, um, so there I was, and now I knew what uh, what the Lord was calling me to do. Before this time, I didn't know that I was going to be an exegete, and there is a there is a kind of a a reminder that I think about uh, now and again. Um, when you rehearse in your mind, fiddle around the roof, and you see that meeting in the square where all the men gather, and here comes a guy with a newspaper. This is is Avram. He's got a newspaper, and he says, look, look, look right here. And they gather around, and they look at the newspaper, and they say, yeah, we see that. What does it say? Abram, what does it say? That's what an exegete is up to. He wants to know what the text says. So that little scene is in my mind and reminding me of what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, my time at uh, Arizona Bible College um, was finished and I was involved in a master's program at ASU in uh, socio-cultural anthropology. I took a, uh, my first master's degree uh, at that point from Arizona State. 20 years later, uh, my wife and I went to Multnomah Biblical Seminary in Portland, where I took my second master's degree in um, biblical studies went across town to Western Seminary, where I took my third master's degree in exegetical theology. And also at Western Seminary, I finished my classroom exercises and teaching with a master's, master of theology degree, which was my fourth master's degree. So here I come with four master's degrees to do exegetical work. I am aimed at returning back to uh, Phoenix and to see if I can be of use anywhere as an exegete. Uh, My graduate school education qualified me to be numbered among the biblical exegetes who follow the ways of Philip the Apostle. After the Lord Jesus had returned to his father and his apostles had been empowered by the Spirit of God, the work that the Lord had begun was now Im- expanded twelvefold. For his part, the apostle Philip was spirit-directed to intercept the chariot of an Ethiopian proselyte returning home from Jerusalem. He was, tr- he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? He then asked Philip for help that he might understand the scriptures. What a great response. An open heart to hear. The usual response is when someone tries to um, uh, uncover the, uh, the underlying text of the New or Old Testament, you, you often get the response like, well, I hear what you say, but I'm gonna to continue to believe what I've always believed, even if it is shown to be in error. So There's something to be said about being comfortable in your theology. Exegete says, "Oh, that the Spirit of God would make you uncomfortable if your theology is lacking." Another response is, "You can show the." Uh, I've had people present an irrational challenge to the truth. They'll they'll propose something weird like uh, when I was uh, teaching um, on, the, on the fact that Jonah in the fish was alive for the three days and three nights. And you can find that, that truth in the text. It's not, it doesn't sit uh, out somewhere in left field. It is on the surface of the text. And some person would say, how was that possible? how can that be alive he must have had a special fish oh yeah it was an appointed fish maybe it had a refrigerator in it and an air conditioning unit and a library to keep uh, Jonah comfortable nonsense there is a rational explanation for the words as they sit in the text also, the, the exegete can be repudiated, like Paul was repudiated when he went to Mars Hill and was talking about um, the resurrection. Do you know how people responded to that? They, they ridiculed him. A lot of them did. They didn't want to listen. It was weird. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't open to thinking about it. A lot of them just left. They didn't want to hear it, which is another response. They just, people just refused to listen. I had one guy who said to me, after I taught on the, in Genesis 6, he says, we've worked on that for a week. I know exactly what it says. And I agree exactly with how you have exegeted it but I will not teach that to somebody else. And his reason was, if he teaches that, he is repudiating his forebearers. They didn't take that view. They had another view. And if he gets into an area where his forebearers, you know, the theologians that went in front of him, where they usually hung out, and he comes with his other idea. He's basically saying that they were wrong. And you know what I say to that? They were. Face up to it. The scripture only has one thing in mind. There is, there is a single understanding that is, that's been put in there by the Spirit of God, Uh, that needs to be opened up. Sometimes, however, uh, I can get a a Berean response. And a Berean response is like you get when the people of Berea hear or heard the scriptures. They listened, they went home, they opened up their Bibles, and they checked it out to listen and then to review. The Bible was written to be understood. It's not mysterious. So when you read the Bible, do you read it with fresh eyes? Do you probe the text to understand what is written? Or do you read only to rehearse what you believe you already know? We are here, Mo and I, because we love the people. And I hope to be of use in clarifying the scriptures as the Lord gives opportunity. That's who I am and that's how I think. And my love is with the truth of the scriptures and the ease with which the Lord has uh, um, provided through my education. To discover what that truth is. I'm here to help. I'd like to pray for us to the end that we will become better biblical scholars, biblical students, readers who think as they read. Father, thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for your patience and for the fact that you are our helper. You are, you've given us the truth. You are the truth. We long to know you better. And by knowing your word better, we will know you better. Thank you again for your, your goodness to Palms and its people. To us, me and Mo, We just want to say that we love you and we trust you. And as time draws ever closer to the return of your son, we we long to be ready. We don't want to be uh, lacking in our appreciation of, of what you have done and said. So grant us help and grace and a steady spirit as we search the scriptures. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.